brain health has been very popular in the news lately, and this podcast is for you if you've ever had brain fog, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, CTE, any of these issues, this is the podcast where we're going to jump into the latest research from Dr. Dale Bredesen, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dave Asprey of the Bulletproof Diet, so many other people, all the minds that are really out there paving the way, blazing a path for new research, new strategies that are actually working to get your brain optimized and working at its highest, highest level. The Brain Builders Podcast is just for you. So get a notebook, get a pen, and get ready to open up your mind and get back to the person that you were meant to be. Well, hello and happy St. Patrick's Day. This is the Brain Builders Podcast. I am your host, Dr. John DeWitt. And today we're going to get back into Dave Asprey's book, Headstrong, the Bulletproof Plan to Activate Untapped Brain Energy to Work Smarter and Think Faster in just two weeks. And we're actually going to get into the program itself pretty soon. Uh, It might not be today, but it'll be in the next uh, podcast or two. So we're getting back into meditation and how that helps brain function. And last time we talked about the um, 40 years of Zen custom-built hardware and software that um, Dave Asprey is using and the program that is up in uh, Seattle. And we're going to talk about brain exercises as well. So even people who are already highly functioning, experienced meditators find neurofeedback to be hugely beneficial. Uh, Vishen Lakiani, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind and CEO of Mind Valley, which is a very good company, the largest meditation website in the world, participated in this training with Dave Asprey. He's been teaching meditation for 25 years, and he said that it was the single most effective form of meditation he'd ever done. His book, Code of the Extraordinary Mind, contains a chapter describing his experiences with this type of neurofeedback. Of course, the downside of having a dedicated team of technicians, coaches, and neuroscientists train your brain using three different types of equipment for a week isn't that it's quite expensive, is that it's quite expensive. So Dave is working to make this kind of intensive brain training more widely available. He'd like to see it used in every high school in the country. Giving our young people the ability to enhance their minds in this way could reduce a lot of suffering and quickly and dramatically change our society for the better. In fact, he has an initiative underway to make this type of brain training available for students globally at an affordable price. Obviously, the 40 Years of Zen program is an extreme form of neurofeedback that isn't yet accessible to everyone. You are hearing about it only as an example of what's possible when you combine the power of meditation techniques with neurofeedback technology at the highest possible levels. But even very affordable Simple forms of feedback from your nervous system can offer positive benefits. One such program is called heart rate variability training, which we actually do that in our office here in Huntington Beach. We do the HRV uh, test to see how your autonomic nervous system is functioning, if you're sympathetic, dominant, or you're parasympathetic. All that this requires in the way of technology is a smartphone and a heart rate sensor that you can buy online, and it's so simple to practice that he taught his kids how to do it when they were four years old. In the HRV training, you start by taking slow, deep breaths guided by an app on your phone. Then you do something in your chest that feels funny. And when you do it right, the app rewards you with a green light and a chime. 
what, are, what you're doing is changing the spacing between your heartbeats to activate your parasympathetic nervous system so you can take control of your body's stress response. It would, it would probably take you a couple of hundred or a couple of years of meditation practice to learn how to do this without technology. But with a sensor and immediate feedback, you can learn this skill in just a few weeks. The effects of being able to control your stress response and calm your body's fight-or-flight hormones are profound. If you practice HRV regularly, you'll have more energy and less stress. He uses this technology when coaching executives, and he uses it before he goes on stage to give keynote addresses. If all the technology is just too much for you, don't sweat it. The Headstrong program includes a zero-tech, completely free mitochondrial meditation created by one of 12 living masters of an ancient form of Chinese energy medicine. All right, now we're into the brain-specific exercises. So while it's important to reduce your psychological stress so you can sleep and perform better, stressing your cells through exercise is one of the best things you can do to make them stronger. We've known for a long time that exercise promotes mitochondrial health, but we're still learning about all of the exciting connections between exercise and mitophagy, which is killing weak mitochondria, neurogenesis, which is growing new neurons, and mitogenesis, which is growing new mitochondria. Exercise is one of the best ways to stimulate the release of an important protein called PGC1-alpha, peroxisome proliferator-activated receptor gamma-coactivator-1-alpha, well, that's a mouthful, which helps to regulate metabolism and mitogenesis. Cold exposure also stimulates PCG1-alpha production. This is how cold thermogenesis helps create new mitochondria. But just like with, with sleep, the quality of your exercise matters more than the quantity. Simply logging in a few extra minutes on the treadmill won't cut it. It takes high-intensity interval training to release this protein. We'll talk more about the benefits of HIIT, or HIT, high-intensity interval training, in just a bit. When you exercise, your muscles also release a protein called FNDC5, which is fibronectin type 3 domain-containing protein 5. Part of this protein goes into the bloodstream and increases levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF in the hippocampus, where neurogenesis occurs. As you read earlier, BDNF is a protein that supports the growth and differentiation of new neurons and is one of the most important substances in your body for neurogenesis. In 2008, Dr. John J. Rady, a professor at Harvard University, first referred to BDNF as miracle grow for the brain. When researchers treat neurons with BDNF in a lab, the neurons spontaneous grow, spontaneously grow new dendrites that aid in learning. That's the connections between neurons. It is one of my or one of Dave's primary targets for biohacking because BDNF stimulates neurogenesis, neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, cell survival, synaptic plasticity, and the formation and retention of new memories. And I actually have used his uh, BDNF uh, supplement, and it is very very good. Researchers have known about the link between BDNF and exercise for a while, but it wasn't until 2013 that they discovered a link between PCG1-alpha and BDNF. It turns out that increasing PCG1-alpha raises FNDC5 production, which leads to even greater increase in BDNF. It makes sense that the birth of new neurons and new mitochondria would be connected. But it's amazing to know that something as simple and available to all of us as exercise can help build new brain cells and the mitochondria needed to power them. Researchers at Northwestern University have found yet another exciting connection between exercise and brain performance. Their work reveals that exercise lowers the activity of bone morphogenetic protein, or BMP, which is a protein that reduces your rate of neurogenesis. At the same time, exercise raises your levels of noggin. I swear that's the real name, noggin, a protein that counteracts BMP and actually increases your rate of neurogenesis. 
Exercise not only helps you become fitter, it also encourages the survival of your fittest mitochondria. That's because exercise lowers the mTOR protein, which helps your body weed out the weak, dysfunctional, or mutated cells and either kills them off or makes them stronger. Only the strong survive. Without damaged mitochondria, slowing things down, and with your previously weak mitochondria now working better, your energy production improves dramatically. Studies have shown that having fitter mitochondria also helps to reduce your chances of developing many neurodegenerative diseases and has even been shown to have a neuroprotective effect in Parkinson's patients. You probably already know that the regular exercise helps, that regular exercise helps to lower your blood sugar levels and make sure you more sensitive to insulin. This, is, this not only helps you to stay trim, it also keeps your energy levels stable and increases endorphins which are feel-good neurotransmitters, which can help fight depression. In fact, researchers have found that regular exercise is at least as powerful as antidepressants in fighting depression. Finally, exercise also improves circulation, which reduces inflammation and allows more oxygen to make it its way into all of your tissues, including your brain. This helps your mitochondria to make energy more quickly. And with more blood flow to your liver, you also eliminate neurotoxins more easily. So new neurons, new mitochondria, fewer toxins, and fewer dysfunctional mitochondria. Oh, and more stable energy and less. Are you ready to hit the gym? I thought so. But remember, not all forms of exercise are created equal. Different types of exercise actually give you slightly different mental and physical benefits. So it's important to create a balanced exercise plan to get the most out of your workout. Here's a quick breakdown of which forms of exercise are best for your brain. Functional movement. You don't have to go to the gym or pay for a fancy cycling class to benefit from exercise. All you have to do is move. Activities like taking a walk, practicing yoga, going for a hike, bike riding, jumping rope, or running around with your kids on the playground will all improve your brain and stimulate neurogenesis. Research has shown that daily movement is better for your brain than less frequent bouts of exercise. Daily movement. This is why it's so bad for your brain to remain seated at your desk all day long. If you work in an office and drive to work, it's essentially to find some time during the day to get up and move around. We're talking about movement that is far below what you'd consider exercise. Just walking around is fine. And that's where Brendan Bouchard in his um, High Performance Habits uh, book talks about every 45 to 50 minutes, you should stand up, even if it's just stand up and walk around the room that you're in or just stretch for five to 10 minutes every hour. That way you'll have more energy at the end of the day. In fact, walking is particularly good for the brain. In one study, a group of healthy adults who took 40-minute walks three times a week for a year experienced a measurable increase in the size of their hippocampus. Since this is the part of the brain where neurogenesis occurs, we can assume that walking increased the participants' rate of neurogenesis. Yoga is another form of movement that boosts brain power. Researchers at the University of Illinois found that a single 20-minute session of Hatha Yoga significantly improved participants' results on a working memory test they were administered after the yoga session. The study indicated that yoga helps participants stay focused and take in, retain, and use new information. You might assume this to be true for any form of exercise, but in fact, participants perform significantly better immediately after the yoga practice as compared to the results after moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise for the same duration of time. In another study, elderly patients who practice yoga experience growth in their hippocampus. Yoga has also been shown to help reduce stress, which lowers inflammation throughout your body, including your brain. Another way that yoga benefits us is that it incorporates cross-lateral movements or movements in which one of your limbs crosses the center line of your body. These movements increase blood flow to all parts of the brain as well as the number of synaptic connections to the brain, in the brain. 
cross-lateral movements also force the left and right hemispheres of the brain to work together and are being studied as a possible treatment for dyslexia. We encourage that in the office as well. We call them cross-crawl exercises. So patients that have um, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, things like that, we have them sit on an elevated um, table or chair, and they alternate swinging their feet, so the left, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, and they have to kick something. And kicking it, it's called a positive stop, and, when, and that impact sends more signals up to the brain. And since it's doing the cross-crawl, that's helping stimulate both hemispheres of the brain. So now that was functional. Now we're going to talk about resistance training. As the name suggests, resistance training involves pushing against a force that resists movement. Some examples of resistance training include weightlifting, kettlebell training, and bodyweight workouts. Resistance training is typically brief and intense, and that short burst of stress is great for your body and your brain. It's no surprise that resistance training makes your muscles stronger, but it also improves your brain so you can move better. In a recent study, 15 men lifted weights for 14 weeks. At the end of the 14 weeks, their muscles could generate more force, of course, but what's more interesting is that their neural drive, their ability to send electrical signals from the brains to their muscles became stronger and faster. With greater neural drive comes more precise control of the way you move. Resistance training also aids the body's natural detoxification process. Earlier, you read about your lymphatic system, which relies on physical movement to pump a liquid called lymph around your body and collect waste from your cells. One study found that 10 to 15 minutes of brief muscle contractions increased lymph flow by 300 to 600%. This is probably at least in part because moving all of that water around inside your cells as you, as you exercise creates more easy water, which itself helps mitochondria and lymph flow. Perhaps most important, resistance training has profound mental health benefits that can have a major. An excellent 2010 review of randomized controlled studies showed that strength training significantly decreases anxiety improves memory and cognition, reduces fatigue, and makes you happier. All of this is due to the boost in endorphins and the increased rate of neurogenesis, mitogenesis, and mitophagy that resistance training provides. Resistance training also causes a sharp increase in testosterone and a 200-700% increase in human growth hormone to help you grow new neurons. The biggest hurdle when it comes to resistance training is that most people tend to either not do it at all or overdo it completely. Remember, this type of training stresses your muscles and your mitochondria. That's a good thing, but you can't stress them every day. They need time to recover before you're stressed, you stress them again. It's during rest that your body incorporates the changes in your brain that stems from exercise. In other words, it's during rest that your new neurons and mitochondria are born and your old dysfunctional mitochondria either get stronger or die. So that's it for today's episode. Tomorrow we're going to go into endurance training and how that affects the brain. Thank you for watching. Please share with a friend and just keep on getting that brain where it needs to be. Have a great day.